0: Welcome to another PI World Podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm the CEO of uh, DSW Capital. Uh, I set the business up with John Scope and Mark Watts in 2002. Uh, by way of background, I'm a cost management accountant, I'm a chartered accountant, and i spent uh, 19 years at KPMG, perfecting my corporate finance skills.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm Nicole Burstow. I'm CFO. Um, I joined DSW four years ago, um, and prior to that, I was a director at Deloitte, where I've been all of my career. Big attraction for joining DSW was I could see that the, the model would appeal to people in a similar position to where I'd been in a bigger accountancy firm, particularly with the flexibility, the autonomy and the ability to earn greater rewards so I joined DSW um, primarily to help us um, scale, get us on the stock market, and we're on the next stage of the journey in terms of rolling the model out uh, into different locations and different service lines.
1: Okay, so a recap of the business. So myself, John and Mark set out to have a challenge of business to the big four in terms of corporate finance advisory when we started, and that remains the ethos. So the ethos is the challenge to the big four. The business is a license model. So we have 107 fee earners, predominantly trading under DSW, and they pay as a license fee on a percentage of their revenues. And our role is to provide them with the backing, the infrastructure, and the funding to set up their own businesses. It's a very scalable model. We have a very lean head office, but sufficient to support the teams. We're currently over 10 locations across the UK. It's a very cash generative business, and we have about a 68% exposure to M&A, back to our roots the investment case is fairly straightforward from my perspective. It's a very cash generative business. It's very capital light. We're backing people to run their own businesses. And those people provide us with a recurring revenue. And we're operating in the market, which is large, and it's ripe for disruption. The Big Four are under constant pressure to restructure their services and become more independent. And it's a scalable and it's an innovative platform. And from my perspective, it's grown tremendously well. So we've got 10 years growth in fee earners, of over 10% on a campaign base rate. And we floated on aim for many reasons, but mostly to improve the profile of the business. It's important to drive recruitment and it has done, and for us to access capital.
2: Okay, so just to give you an overview of the service lines that we have in, in the group, so we've got um 23 different licensee businesses. And that's split across the 11 different service lines that you can see on the screen there. So the largest service line is Corporate Finance Advisory. So as James said, that's the foundation and the core of the business. So we've got 37 professionals in that service line. Average deal size of around 25 million, and they are an award-winning team in the North. We're currently ranked 11th most active in terms of deals volume across the UK. The second largest service line now is business recovery. Um, And so we added 10 um, additional fee earners with the addition of Bridgewood, um, which we announced on Thursday with our results. That takes the business recovery service line up to 20 fee earners, 10 in Nottingham and 10 in the Northwest, and obviously counter-cyclical, so balancing out the portfolio. Um, the next largest service line is financial due diligence, so eighteen fee earners in that business. Um, lots of opportunities for referrals into FDD from corporate finance advisory, so that sits really well. Um, and they're also a multi award winning team. Then we have our business planning teams. They're a team of eight. Um, they joined us as an existing business, and they're all based in the northwest. We have our equity finance arm, which is PhD Industrial Holdings that started life as our equity fund investment arm of the group. And they invest in businesses, three to 20 million turnover. Then we've got a number of other service lines that are all smaller, less mature, fewer fee earners that you'll see across the bottom of the slide there. So forensics, venture capital, debt advisory. Tax, ABL, risk management, and wealth planning. And year on year, we've got our new wealth planning business. We also added uh, two new corporate finance partners in Scotland, and we bolstered the debt advisory team with the addition of a new partner and a new director. So, just to give an overview on the model. So, typically, we will target um, X Big Four experienced professionals, and over sixty percent of our peers are X Big Four. And we empower them to build their own business under the DSW brand and infrastructure. All of our arrangements contain a license fee. And as James said, that license fee is based on a percentage of turnover that businesses bill. Historically, that's grown from 10% up to 22%. So all of our new businesses come on at that 22% rate. Um, And we try to keep that competitive, and it is competitive versus other platform models on the market. You may be familiar with Keystone Law, they charge up to 40%. So, what that means here is that our partners are keeping at least 78% of the fees that, that they're billing. In return for that license fee, we provide all of the back office support. So, that's everything from facilities, recruitment, compliance. Uh, IT support, accounting, banking. So we're taking away all of that administration burden that goes with running your own business um, and allowing our partners to focus on winning work and serving their clients. We also um, have a a service line incentive. So that encourages um, mentoring, sharing of IP, where we've got multiple businesses within the same service line. Um, And we offer a referral commission scheme. So our businesses get 10% of any fees that they refer to another business. Um, And really importantly, we provide the startup funding for our our startup businesses. So in terms of the strength to DSW Capital, it provides us with a recurring revenue stream. So in the absence of a fixed salary, um, our partners are only rewarded by the work that they actually complete. Um, So that incentivizes them to deliver a consistent level of income. And our license fee is based on revenue. So it's top slice. So it's very robust and high quality. Property and employee costs are borne by our individual um, businesses. It, it doesn't get passed up to us. Um, so that means we have a low operational gearing. It does to be capital. And because of the recruitment that we do and the targeting, we tend to get self-starters so the businesses hit the ground running when they join. Our arrangements are flexible, so it, it's very easy for us to bring into new, new partners into existing businesses and facilitate that um, organic growth. And the more that we do in terms of the back office and the the more um, referral opportunities that we can try and create across the group ties the businesses in for the longer term. And it's capital light and cash generative. So um, um, we've not made an investment in a startup business in excess of 250k and the payback period is typically three years for us. So then looking at it from the licensee's perspective, so obviously a big draw is the fact that they've got 100% autonomy, they can, they're can they running their own business um, and they've got that flexibility and they can earn greater rewards because they can earn up to 78% of, of the fees that they're billing. But why do it with us? Why not go alone? The advantages to the licensees is that immediately when they join um, from day one, they've got the, the strength of the brand behind them, they've got credentials, which gives them access to better quality work and better quality clients. And they've also got a network of introducers that are all financially incentivized to introduce work to them. Recruitment is easier. So we have our own um, in-house recruitment team, but often um, candidates joining existing businesses see themselves joining DSW um, as a group as opposed to an individual startup business. So it gives them access to, to, to talent that they might not have um, on, on if they're operating uh, on their own. Um, And then really importantly, we provide all of the startup funding. So we will typically underwrite partner drawings for the first 12 months. And that's very important um, due to the the demographic that we're we're targeting. So we want young, ambitious, driven people to build a business with us. And at that stage in their life, they need that financial reassurance. We have, uh, in the year, significantly enhanced the central infrastructure and the support that, that we offer. And we've done that um, with three key objectives in in mind. So firstly, to increase the attractiveness of the model to new recruits, but then really importantly, enhancing the value that we're providing to our existing businesses within the network. Secondly, around developing our people, so employees up to partners, and that helps with retention. And thirdly, to increase collaboration across the network. So um, our average referral rate across the group is currently 14.2, which has increased slightly uh, on the prior year. But where we really want to get it is so that it exceeds the license base. The average license fee is currently 16.6%. And so lots of initiatives to try and improve collaboration and and increase the the level of referrals across the group. So on the right, there's a number of examples of the types of initiatives that we've been running. And I'll just let a couple of them to give you a bit more detail. A fantastic initiative that we've run in the current year was the launch of our Future Leaders Program. So that was a bespoke training course that we developed with a firm called Becoming X. And that focused on our employees that are below partners, so the next generation of leaders and and the talent at that level. That was a six month development program. But as part of that, we also set a leadership challenge, which asked for ideas as to how we could improve collaboration across the group. And we've got some really great insights that have come out of that. So, you know, from our perspective, some great ideas, but also what was really pleasing was the engagement that we got from from the employees at that level. So really engaging in the broader group strategy. Um, There are lots of other initiatives around that, around group training, um, networking events, socials, um, that we've tried to introduce to bring people together and and develop those sort of cross-business relationships across the the group. And then the the other... sort of enhancement or significant enhancement that we've made um, centrally is around compliance. So we've been working with a third party expert to supplement the the expertise that we have in-house to effectively provide more um, support and guidance to to our partners and their businesses. Um, So we've now got a suite of policy documents. We've launched our um, online compliance training platform in the year. We've got template documents. Um, so, so lots of resources. So from the, the the business's point of view, they've got that reassurance, as, as do we. But it's just trying to take away some of that burden that goes with um, compliance responsibilities. So moving on to performance highlights um, for the year. So it really was a game of two halves this year. We had an excellent first half. But then that was frustrated by the mini budget um, in the autumn and our MA businesses in particular were, were significantly impacted by that. However, we did match the record levels of network revenue that we reported in the prior year, despite those challenging economic conditions in the second half. So showing the resilience of, of the model. Disappointed that we didn't achieve the, the growth that we wanted. And obviously, that has impacted on our underlying profitability. So, EBITDA has reduced by just over 30% in the year to 1.5 million. We do remain to have strong cash conversion, so 88% for the year. And even with the um, completion of Bridgewood and the final dividend that we'll pay in September, we will have over 3 million of cash resources to take advantage of some of the opportunities that we're now seeing. And James will talk to that later. We have proposed a final dividend of two pence per share. So that takes the total dividends that we've paid out uh, post IPO to just under eight pence. And then a couple of the really important network KPIs to us, obviously, fee earners. So we finished the year with 97 fee earners. It's now 107 with, with Bridgewood. 10% 10% growth year on year. Organic recruitment did slow in the second half, understandably, because of the economic climate. But we're now seeing some opportunities to, to recruit, particularly at the partner level. And pleasingly, on the other side of that, attrition rates are currently very low. Um, so for the year, just over 8%, which is half of the prior year, and well below what the what we understand the big four are seeing of 20% plus. And... Um, Network revenue per fear and a really important KPI for us. Um, for the year it was 193K. Um, it has reduced um, on the prior year um, because of the, the second half um, challenges. But nevertheless, um, that, we're still top end of our, our listed peer group on that on that KPI. And um, from what information's out there, we understand we're in line with the big four as well. So moving on to the primary statements, just to pull out a few um, highlights um, for you, a um, bit more context. So as I mentioned before, uh, network revenue remained flat year on year, at 18.3 million. But for context, overall deal volumes in the SME market were down in the year. So what that means is we've gained market share. Um, and that's evidenced by the experience that so we moved up from 18th last year to 11th in the in the current year. Profit share income is down um, year on year. That's because of the reduced utilization in, in the second half of the year. And central overheads have increased just over 600k year on year. 60% of that or just over is as a result of full year impact of PLC related costs. The remaining increase is due to the investment in two senior heads that we took on in the second half of last year and the initiatives that I have spoke to earlier to improve and enhance that central infrastructure. And we're trying to position ourselves and improve the business, improve the offering so that we can take advantage of the opportunities as the market picks up. And then the final point just to highlight on this slide is the share based payment charge, which was just over 700k it is exceptional, all bar 72K of that related to the unwinding of the growth shares that we issued to partners and employees before the float. So it's non-dilutive um, to existing shareholders, doesn't impact cash and doesn't impact reserves. Moving on to the balance sheet, really strong balance sheet, just under 8 million of net assets at the year end. Within that, we had 4.6 million of cash after the payment of 1.3 million dividends in the period. And of course, we're we're debt-free. A couple of other big balances on there, just to give a bit more context. Intangible assets are our licensed brands. And the investment is our investment in the Camely business, who joined the group in 2020. So really robust balance sheet with significant cash resources to take advantage of some of the opportunities we're now seeing in the market. From a cash perspective, the business model is cash generative. To highlight that, our lock-up um, for the period was 27 days. So we're not aware of another listed accountancy firm with lock-up of less than 90 days, so it's very low compared to other firms. The reason for that is because the working capital funding is passed on to our partners. It's a key strength of the model. And our partners don't get paid until businesses get paid. So clearly that makes them highly incentivized to collect, collect their cash. Operating cash conversion, as mentioned before, is 88%. We will get fluctuations in that due to quarterly billing. Typically, that will range between 80 and 100%. But as I say, that remains strong. And closing cash of, of 4.6 million um, after the payment of the dividend in the period. To move on to the network KPIs, the ones I haven't already talked about. So our average license fee for the period was 16.6%. That's slightly down on the prior year for 16.9%. That's a function of the reduction in profit share that I mentioned earlier. Our average number of fee per business has increased to 4.6. So that's just demonstrating the fact that we're different to other platform models. So we are building businesses and teams. We're not a network of sole traders. So we essentially get two strands to grow. So we've got that organic growth within our existing businesses, as well as adding on people through the platform. The average age of our partners is 48, which is in line with last year. But again, that compares well to other platform models. So I think Keystone Law, it's 52. So greater longevity in the businesses that we're building. Plus we've also got the success planning coming through with the team And finally, 24% of our partners are female. Um, now that's in line with the big four, um, but that's on an all service line basis. And anecdotally, um, we expect that, that that percentage is lower across the M&A service lines. so we believe we're slightly better. Um, but a real opportunity for us to lead the field on that diversity stat because of the flexibility in our blockers. Uh,
1: thank you, Nicole. If I uh, recap now, well, will see the opportunities for growth of the business. So I'm going to discuss one in a moment, but the first one is acquisition of licence fees. This is where we bring in businesses and convert them to a new licensee partner for the DSW group. The second element is what I call organic growth. So that's the licensee partners just adding on more employees. And that was certainly a feature of the business from the post bloke period up through to October. So most of our headcount hit from 82 to 97 was prior, primarily driven by our partners, including people businesses. Uh, the next element so is what I call adding on individuals and new geographies and then on to new turboplines. So that's disciplines that we don't currently do. And then the last opportunity, what we call breakouts. So, one of the reasons for floating the business was we actually wanted to access more capital so we can make step changes and bring in whole teams. And in terms of what we have delivered, so this is what we have delivered in terms of the acquisition license fees. So, last week we announced that we completed on uh, backing the MBO of a business called Bridgewood Financial Solutions. Uh, that's a corporate recovery business based in Nottingham. So, really important for us because it's based in Nottingham. It's uh, corporate recovery. So you notice from the one I started the presentation, we're still a heavily an M and dependent business. That's a function of our backgrounds, but we're looking to diversify and broaden the services that we offer. So it's really good that we brought the team in. It's an interesting opportunity for us because we brought in effectively three new partners, and only one of them had any equity beforehand. So an exciting step change for them, and in total, extra like, ten fee owners. So a really good opportunity for us. It's corporate recovery. It's in Nottingham. So I expect very soon it will be announcing more service lines added onto that. That's been our experience is that when we've got somebody on the ground, it's been easy to get other people. In terms of your deal structure, uh, it's an investment of £780,000 for back on the MBO. And, and we get a licence fee, which is based as usual on the, on the revenues of the business plus a profit share. And we have a minimum guaranteed return of £130,000 for the first three years. Uh, and I hope they'll be really successful, more successful than that. Uh, but a really good opportunity for us. And I hope you say, well, for those of you who are on the call, I hope you welcome the new team. It fits in with just our target acquisition service lines, and these haven't changed. So I'm looking at high margin businesses, ideally high growth and definitely niche professional services. So we want people to have genuine expertise and can leverage up the capabilities of business. So that would include what we currently do in new locations and also really interested in tax. So we currently have 107 professionals and unfortunately less than seven involved in tax. And that means a huge opportunity for the business. And the other areas is opportunity for us, what I call employer solution services. So I regard that as a catch-all really for the abilities of my partners to cross-sell other services to chief executives and major stakeholders because we have that level of engagement with businesses. Uh, I'd also like to involve a business in other big four activities, but apart from audit. I'm not particularly struck on the audit's function. I think it causes conflicts of interest for in the business. And then finally, niche legal services. So I believe that what we've done in the accountancy framework can be done in, in legal services too. But one of the key initiatives. So As Nicole said, the year was very much a year of two halves for us and and, and my licensee partners will know this in terms of the growth of the business and post-flow, was predominantly on the back of their recruitment and building their own businesses, which is what our business model is about, so backing people to build businesses. But from October and the mini-budget, there was a sea change in the environment for us. And we know that because our licensee partners become more reticent on taking people on. And that's because the, the economic background they're operating in has changed. And equally, we took the opportunity to say, well, it has changed. And we think it's changed and provided an opportunity for recruitment. So from our perspective, we expect to see that salaries won't be as generous as they have been. Bonuses will get deferred. Promotions will get deferred. So we saw it was a great opportunity to push hard on recruitment from a DSW Capital perspective. So we investigated the marketplace. And I spoke to a number of people trying to identify who had the expertise to help us transform the business. And we've got an arrangement with a an outsource supplier of these services to us. And these guys have got a lot of experience. What they're doing for us is they're market mapping. So I've got about 38 service disciplines that I think we should be involved in, including ones we've already got. And they're market mapping each of those disciplines and producing candidates for us to target. Now, that's an exercise producing about 500 or so potential candidates for us. And then we're following up those with approaches so we have we had started the year with two but we've now got four recruitment uh, specialists as well as the market mapping process so we're approaching about 500 people or mapping 500 people we're approaching about 100 a week we're about to increase in terms of the recruiters to get across the marketplace and the engagement rate has been really good so that one is seven and um, well, we've augmented that with the breakout incentive this is the golden hellos this is our opportunity to bring in teams uh, and between us, in terms of all those activities, we've signed up four new partners uh, and they'll bring in extra professionals with them. And, and I'm hoping very shortly we will be able to announce that we're in two new locations in the UK. So early stages for well, this as an initiative, but certainly the results are excellent so far. One of the areas that we are very conscious of in terms of how position our business is that we are competing for Big Four talent. As uh, Nicole's already said to you, 60% of our talent has is, is a big four background. And we are conscious that uh, the larger firms have been leading the way in terms of the ESG. And it's important that we at least match them. And we think we're trying to exceed them. So I'm, I'm really pleased that the developments we are making our four main pillars. So it's the social environmental impact, it's the diversity and inclusion, empowering our people and responsible business practices. And we made tremendous progress in the last 12 months on all those initiatives. And really excitingly, we've now got seven volunteers for an ESG committee. So we're getting the ownership of this initiative right through the business. And I hope everybody engages in that process. So I find a summary of the year. Last year was uh, 18.3 million network revenues. That is a record year. Uh, it wasn't much of an increase on the previous record year, but it was a record year. And it's important to recognize that many of our licensees, individual licensees, had record years. It's just the environment changes change on a corporate finance perspective. And importantly, since we floated the business, we've gone from 82 fee earners to 107 fee earners. That's an increase of 30% in, list, in less than two years. And that's testament to the work of the people we've already got, but also the high profile of the business that following the float. And as Nicole's already said to you, we've grown in our market share. So it has been a challenging environment, but we've got highly motivated and very capable people who've enabled the business to grow. So on a volume basis, on an experience basis, we're the 11th largest advisor, or most active advisor in the UK. We still remain very cash generative. we have been frustrated. We're very frustrated by the budget. It has created new opportunities, but we still generate cash. And at a head office basis, while we got, we're very focused on being the best we can be Lots of initiatives and lots of engagement with the people. I'm really excited about the engagement we're getting up. So, all those who contributed to that basis, I'm, I'm very grateful for their support. Uh, and as I said, the main drive for the current financial year is about this recruitment drive. We recognize that the current circumstances, there's an opportunity to recruit talent and welcome into our, our model and to our family. From an outlook perspective, I think it's probably fair to say that FY24 started off as FY23 ended. It's uh, very uncertain. The circumstances we're hoping will change. The opportunity there remains significantly to recruit business. And whilst my licensee partners have got some really significant challenges ahead of them in the corporate finance area, as I said, most of them are enjoying record years and continuing to grow the business and the acquisition of Bridgewood is one of the first steps in terms of implementing our strategy and i'm hoping to be four more acquisitions to follow and so we're investing significantly in recruitment and i think the year ahead will be about adding on heads and i'm very confident for the business thank you
0: and the first question i believe you said the license fee ranges from 10 to 22 percent can you tell us what the weighted average is
2: uh, 16.6 um, is the average license fee for the current year? Um, the reason there's a range is um, when we um, initially launched, there's slightly different structure, um, and as the brand has obviously grown, um, and we're providing more kind of um, central support, um, there's a mix. And as I say, the new the new licensees are coming on at the
0: 22% rate. In an ideal world, what would you like your exposure to the m a service line to be? And are there any service lines where you'd really want to grow?
1: The ideal world. Um, we certainly wouldn't be as dependent on MA, but it's really important to recognise that's the strength of the business. So I've never, I've never, I want to decry that area of the business. I'm just conscious that it's more volatile and from an investor's perspective. We want better balance so investors can predict our results better. And the area of most opportunity is tax services. As I said, we've got 107 professionals and we've only really got three focused on tax And each of the 104 have the opportunity to create tax work. So tax is the number one objective, but it depends on circumstances and opportunities.
0: Thank you. And what's the current cash position following the year-end event financing of Bridgewood Financial Services?
2: Well, after the payment of um, the the fees for Bridgewood and um, the final dividend that we've proposed that will be paid in September, we will still have over three million cash. So significant cash resources.
0: Great, thank you very much. And what KPIs do you look at as a leading indicator of performance?
1: Uh, The number one KPI for the business is owners. Fundamentally, that drives the whole business. It drives our ability to support our licensing partners as well. It's the number one KPI. It's have we got more people in the family? The the larger the family, the more the benefits for all the family members. There's more opportunities from cross-sell. There's more, more engagement. There's ability to add on extra specialisms um, and it's good for employees. We get access to better clients and ultimately that will lead into clients who prepare to pay at higher rates for the, the expertise they're accessing.
0: Great. Thank you. And a follow on question. Why not include some important um, KPIs like return on capital employed or return on equity and the churn rate?
2: Um, so, just on attrition, um, so our attrition is 8%. So, in terms of what that looks like, number of heads, um, so it was 17 in, 8 out. Um, that is something we monitor um, closely. And obviously, it remains um, very low, um, particularly to our, our peers in the bigger firms.
1: And on the uh, return on capital, uh, we're very capital light, uh, And I suppose, from our perspective, I always regard it as being exceptional. And maybe we've understated how how well we we deploy capital and, and what returns we get on it. So I'm quite keen to look at that because it might be very good statistics for us.
0: Great, thank you very much. And you do most of your work on the buy side or the sell side?
1: Right. So on the corporate finance side of the business, um the guys involved in corporate finance. So what, what regards M and A activities? I'll take that back. What regards MA activities are corporate finance professionals and our due diligence professionals. Uh, the corporate finance guys, it will vary. So I'm, I'm sure it's a bit of an uncertain answer. So sometimes they'll be heavily involved on buy side and sometimes they're heavily involved on sell side. I'd say normally, and this would be normally, it'd be about 70% be on sell side and 30% on buy side. On the financial due diligence, that's somewhat different. Uh, it's probably The balance is probably near a 50-50 or even more on the buy side because they're involved at that point where there's a, an ownership changing hands and somebody wants to check the books. And whilst there is some uh, support on, on uh, helping vendors produce the due diligence, mostly it's actually on the buy side. So a slightly different percentage of the other way.
0: Great, thank you. And what would need to happen for the MA market to return to normal? Have valuation expectations been reset?
1: I don't know whether they've been reset. Uh, it normally takes a little bit of time. So my previous experience when we've had changes and shocks to the system is it takes between nine and 15 months to things settle down. Uh, it's that period of expectation. So, um People are reluctant to sell their business in that initial aftermath. And I think that's sort of um, seller's regret, is it? Or whatever the right one. They've got remorse anyway, because they missed the opportunity to sell their business. Uh, and now in terms of the prices are coming down. And they have to go through a period of adjustment, I think. To say, well, actually now we're in a new norm. This is the best I can expect for my price. So the price expectations have to come down. That takes a little bit of time. And also the market has to readjust. So, debt providers and equity providers equally have to get to the sense of um, this is what the new norm is. So, it normally causes disruption. So, these little interest rate increases have caused that disruption. Uh, once they end, and if they end as soon as possible, I think we'll get to stability much quicker.
0: Great, thank you very much. And regarding Bridgewood, aside from the obvious expansion geographically and further diversification of the product offering, what do you feel this new addition can add to the DSW brand and what gave them the edge over other possible acquisition candidates?
1: Right, well, I wouldn't want to undermine all the things you said previously. (laughs) So it's really important that it does diversify what we do and it gets us into a new location. So for us, I think the major benefit in terms of the incremental benefit, it's a great business and we've got some really good partners coming in and, and the nice people and they'll fit really well with the culture. So that's great. But the opportunity is actually in the Midlands for us. We've been looking for the right uh, base investment to make to significantly open the marketplace. It's a really big marketplace for us.
0: Great. Thank you very much. And could you tell us about the amount of profit share and license fee for the new firm?
1: I can't be specific. Um, but as I said, the structure requires them to pay as return linked to uh, the licence fee and a profit share, and we have a guaranteed minimum return of £130,000 a year for the first three years.
0: Great, thank you. And um, There was a recent grant of nil cost options. What are they, and where can I find the details of the performance objectives relating to the performance remuneration awards?
2: Yeah, so um, the most recent um, are for the um, management LTIP. Um, there is full details of that in um, the annual report, but essentially it's um, 70% is based on total shareholder return, 20% is on fee um targets, and 10% is personal objectives. But so there's full detail in the annual report for anybody that, that wants to to read more.
0: Many thanks. And do you have any plans for international expansion?
1: Yes, um are very quick that. We about uh five, six years ago, possibly longer, um, we started setting up a, business, a network called Pandia. So that's a DSW-sponsored international MA network. It's got over 30 members. Uh, we cover most territories in the globe, uh, and that will be a basis for international expansion. It's now the eighth largest uh, independent MA network. So it's that that will be our footprint, that will be our bridge into the new territories.
0: Great, thank you very much. You talked about recruitment, but could you give us a little bit more colour on where you're focusing your efforts?
1: I'll tell you where we started the efforts. Um, so it's a 12-month engagement process with the, with the market. Uh, we started on the service lines that I'd regard as hopefully um, low-hanging fruit in terms of that's what we currently do. So we started with corporate finance, we moved on to financial diligence, uh, tax services and business recovery, and then we'll add a lot of specialist service lines. But it's a 12-month exercise, and we might include some international markets in that to see what we can do there as well.
0: Tremendous. Many thanks indeed. Are there any published metrics that serve as a leading indicator for the M&A sector?
1: For us, it's probably the ONS statistics um they tend to be pretty accurate in terms of they produce fairly regularly the difficulty in terms of trying to get the leading indicator for us as i said nicole mentioned we've moved up on on our market share so um it will definitely be a a lead indicator um but the partners are very ambitious and very good in fine work so they tend to be at their most resourceful and capable in downturns but that would be the the ms producing statistics
0: Tremendous. Many thanks. And that's the end of questions. Do you have any closing remarks, James?
1: It's been an interesting year for us uh, in terms of um, we had a honeymoon effect from the uh, IPO. And we still benefit very much from the, the profile that we've gained from the IPO uh, and a benign economic background and uh, mini budget October time created some extra challenges for the business. But my partners have raised the challenge. Uh, employee engagement has been terrific. Nicole referred to our uh, Future Leaders Programme, and I sat in on the presentation. So from an investor's perspective, I can assure you that um, the partners are very committed, but so are our employees. They are super ambassadors for the business, and we are very focused on growing the business, and we're making great strides on recruitment. So the long-term prognosis is still excellent from my perspective.